0: Welcome to Moving Medicine, a podcast by the American Medical Association. Today's episode was produced in collaboration with the Permanente Docs Chat podcast. It features immediate past chair of the AMA Board of Trustees, Dr. Sandra Freihofer. She'll talk about the safety of vaccines, updates on current COVID 19 variants, and strategies for establishing trust and vaccine acceptance with your patients. Leading the conversation is host of Permanente Docs Chat, family medicine physician, Dr. Alex McDonald. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's Permanente Docs Chat. Thanks all for joining, wherever you may be watching or listening. I'm your host, Alex McDonald. As most of you know by now, I practice family and sports medicine here at Kaiser Permanente in Fontana, California, as part of the Southern California Permanente Medical Group. So I am very excited for today's chat. I'm uh, we we are uh, this is another collaboration with the American Medical Association. Today we're going to be talking about COVID, RSV, flu vaccines, and sort of what I like to refer to now. As as winter respiratory illness season, uh, with our amazing uh, guest, Doctor S- uh, Sandra Freihofer. So, Doctor Freihofer, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Well, Alex, thank you so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to our
0: chat. Absolutely. So, uh, Doctor Freihofer is. Uh, Wears many many hats. Uh, I I cannot list her CV here, unfortunately. But but most specifically, she's um, the American Medical Association. Uh, I believe you're the president-elect, if I'm not mistaken. And she also no no no, I'm
1: not the president-elect. I'm oh. the immediate past chair.
0: Okay, sorry. See, there you go. i already <laughs> screwed up. So the immediate past chair. Uh, but more importantly, she's also on the advisory committee of Immunization Practices, which obviously uh, goes through the data and and the science regarding uh, the, a lot of vaccines and recommendations to the fda and cdc and various other other regulatory bodies um and then many other roles uh past uh president of american college of physicians and in extensive media training so maybe you can give me some some media tips while we're here and doing doing this webinar
1: i think you're really funny but okay. i'm a liaison to acip which is a okay. CDC's advisory committee on immunization practices and i've been a a liaison for Um, More than 20 years first for ACP, the American College of Physicians, and then for both the ACP and the AMA, the American Medical Association. Mm -hmm. And then when I was elected to the AMA Board of Trustees, I had to limit to being only the AMA liaison to ACIP. And over that time, I've served on many, many ACIP vaccine work groups. And currently, some of the ones I serve on include the COVID vaccine work group, the flu vaccine work group, and the adult schedule work group.
0: Wonderful, excellent. So clearly, uh, a a huge amount of knowledge and experience, and I'm really hoping to get some some pearls of wisdom here for all of our listeners. Um, So we're going to be going through a whole bunch of information. If you're out there uh, listening or watching live, you have questions, please drop them in the in the Q and A. We'll get to as many as we can. This is only about 20 minutes or so. We like to keep this kind of condensed and high yield. um, So get your questions in early. Um, But let's let's just jump right in. So so Dr. Freyhofer, tell us tell us a little bit bit more about who you are and what you do for your for your day job so to speak.
1: Well, I'm in private practice, general internal medicine in Atlanta, Georgia. I see patients in the office every day. I also take call. So as far as my work uh, with vaccines is concerned and being a liaison to ACIP, being a practicing physician is really helpful because I hear firsthand the questions patients are asking and I also experience firsthand how difficult sometimes it is to get patients vaccinated and how difficult it is sometimes to find the vaccines to do it.
0: Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let's let's jump in here again. I I, I don't like using the term cold and flu season. Uh, I like using the term winter respiratory illness season because I think that's more reflective of what's actually happening. And right now we have a large disconnect between the, the health risks of flu, RSV and COVID and, and patients understanding of those risks and illnesses. Um, so can you can you share a little bit about some of the latest data regarding sort of general public sentiment or, uh, surrounding some of these illnesses, and then also also then sort of the, the sentiment surrounding the vaccines uh, the, for, for some of these preventable illnesses.
1: Uh, sure. Well, for the first time ever, we now have vaccines to protect against all three of these viruses that you've been mentioning, COVID, flu, and now RSV. Uh, NFID, which is the National Foundation for Infectious Diseases, just released the results of its annual adult immunization survey And Alex, the results are very disturbing. Mm -hmm. This survey found that many adults underestimate the seriousness of these viruses. They don't have confidence in the safety of vaccines. They don't have confidence in the effectiveness of vaccines. And as a result, many say they don't plan to get vaccinated. In fact, for flu, more than one in four adults at higher risk of flu complications said they're not going to get a flu shot. Mm. Uh, only 40% of adults said they plan to get a COVID vaccine, only 40% of adults said they plan to get a dose of the RSV vaccine. And this is very concerning. We've got to raise awareness and address any misconceptions. These vaccines are safe and effective, and they've gone through extensive safety testing before they're licensed or authorized. Understand these vaccines can keep you out of the hospital. They can save your life. And this is a message we've got to make sure that our patients understand.
0: Yeah, I, I think I, I saw some of that data myself recently, and, and it's really pretty. It's really pretty scary, especially as as again a primary care physician. My my job is to prevent, right? If we can prevent illness rather than just treat it once it's here, that's that's the panacea ultimately. And so the this data was really concerning to me. So we'll we'll kind of jump back to that more about sort of confidence and how to talk to patients about that. But let's let's kind of delve into a little bit some of the some of the, the nitty-gritty of some of these new vaccines and updated vaccines. And so let's start with COVID. Um, so obviously we have a, a updated COVID vaccine for for this winter. Um, can you tell us a little bit about this, how it's different from prior, and then who may be eligible for this as well.
1: Uh, sure. Well, a dose of the new updated COVID mRNA vaccine is now recommended for everyone aged six months and older. So, this is a universal recommendation, just like the one we have for seasonal flu vaccines. The old bivalent BA4, BA5 Omicron booster is out, it's no longer authorized. The official name for this new XBB.1.5 monovalent version is the 2023-2024 COVID vaccine, or you can just call it the updated COVID vaccine. For those age five and older, a single dose is all you need to be up to date, regardless of previous vaccination status, and even if you've never had any previous COVID vaccinations. Now, that's because everyone age five and older is thought to have had at least some immunity to to COVID from vaccines, from previous infection, or both. For younger children, those aged six months through four years old, they also need at least one dose of this new updated vaccine, but they also have to prime their immune system with either two doses of Moderna or three doses of Pfizer. Patients with immunocompromising conditions need more vaccine doses overall, they need a three dose initial series of either mRNA vaccine product. They also need a dose of the updated vaccine and they can get additional doses of the updated vaccine if it's recommended by their physician. So that's for mRNA.
0: Mm -hmm. Now
1: there's breaking news from the FDA. Um, Just uh, yesterday, Novavax updated uh, a vaccine has now been authorized for emergency use for those age 12 and older. If you've been previously vaccinated and choose to get a Novavax, all you need is a single dose. Those who have not been previously vaccinated will need two doses of the Novavax updated vaccine. So the good news here is we now have a choice of two different updated COVID vaccine platforms to choose from, the mRNA or the protein-based adjuvant adjuvanted version by Novavax.
0: Yeah. that was a very concise summary of a lot of information. Um can you tell us a little bit about the differences between the mRNA versus the Novavax and and what might sway you to pick one versus another or or recommend one for versus another for certain patients?
1: Well, I think that we have more data about the mRNA. Just there've been more doses distributed, but The mRNA platform is new and some people just aren't comfortable with it. So the exciting thing about having this different platform is now there's a choice. If you're just someone that, for whatever reason, just doesn't want to get an mRNA vaccine, you can get this protein-based vaccine, Mm -hmm. which is a more classical platform and maybe what people are more used to. Uh, I personally have gotten all mRNA uh, vaccine doses and I've even gotten a dose of my updated vaccine. I got it the Saturday after it came out.
0: Oh, I'm jealous. I have to get my updated vaccine. Still, it's been it's been hard to to find availability right now. The rollout is not quite as smooth as maybe we were hoping it would be, or when it was previously. Can you can you tell us a little, maybe a little bit more about that rollout and how now, without sort of you know the the federal government purchasing these vaccines, how now we're kind of back to this sort of patchwork um, availability and, and 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 cost for those vaccines. Can you can you share a little bit about that from your perspective?
1: Sure, the federal government is no no, no longer fully funding these vaccines, um, and so they're on the, they're in the commercial market. They're available at pharmacies. You have to sign up online. And what's happening here in Atlanta? There's been a greater demand than there has been availability. So I've had patients sign up online. They get there and they run out of vaccine. So it's, it's been a little bit frustrating, but in some ways that's good that people are seem right. to be more interested in, in getting this vaccine. Another thing to know is the vaccine, uh, this updated vaccine can be given at least two months after your last COVID vaccine dose. And if you recently had COVID, you no longer have to wait that three months after infection to get an updated vaccine dose. And I was really glad to hear that. In fact, I asked that specific question at the ACIP meeting because recently I'd seen an uptick in cases of COVID. They weren't super severe cases, but I just realized that my patients really needed a boost. So you can actually get a dose of the updated vaccine when you've recovered from the infection.
0: Great. And that was my next question. You you, re- you read my mind regarding <laughs> prior vaccinations and prior COVID illness. So So at this point, you can just Two months or or even after that acute illness period has passed, uh people are eligible. Is that correct?
1: Right, right. Two months Perfect. after your last vaccine dose or when you've recovered from a recent COVID infection.
0: Perfect. Um so unfortunately a lot of people are done with COVID in this nation um but COVID is not done with us so to speak and so what what comments or what suggestions do you have for 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 patients who sort of want to move on and don't really think they're at risk and then and then what advice may you have for physicians as we counsel our patients regarding the importance of getting the updated COVID vaccine
1: Well fortunately COVID is not as bad as it's been in the past, but still each week we're seeing thousands of hospitalizations and hundreds of deaths due to COVID. And in the recent weeks we were starting to see rates of hospitalizations beginning to increase. I've certainly been seeing a lot more cases in my practice. We know adults age 65 and older, as well as those with multiple underlying medical conditions, are at greatest risk of severe outcomes if they get COVID. We also know that children age five to 17 are less likely to suffer severe illness, mm-hmm. but still, hundreds of children in this age group died from COVID in 2021 and 2022. And Alex, half of the children who died had no underlying conditions. Right. There is it, no it, group that clearly has no risk from COVID. So even children and adults with no underlying conditions still can experience severe illness due to COVID. And then we think about these new variants that are emerging. You know, our immunity is beginning to wane. This updated vaccine will increase our immune response against circulating variants and will help protect us. Now. Our challenge now is to find vaccine and to get it into arms.
0: Right. Exactly. And I always tell people the, the best vaccine is the one that you can get, um, especially if if supply mm-hmm. is short. And hopefully that problem will, will diminish over the weeks as as things roll out. And and those who want to get vaccinated are able to get to get their vaccine. With just one dose, hopefully that'll be less of a barrier than than two doses, such as prior, um, prior vaccine rollout. Um lots more we could cover there but but in the sake of time I want to switch gears a little bit to to RSV um and sort of the new tools we have here now to treat RSV so tell us tell us a little bit about RSV um I think most of the lay people had never heard of this before last year maybe but those of us who work in medicine obviously have heard about RSV quite extensively um so tell us about RSV and and who are at sort of highest risk of of severe illness and complications from uh respiratory syncytial virus as well
1: RSV is highly contagious, and for most of us, it just causes a nasty cold. But for the very young and the very old, RSV can lead to hospitalization, life-threatening pneumonia, and even death. RSV is the most common cause of hospitalizations for infants in in the United States, and most infants are infected in their first year of life, and just about every child will have had it by the time they hit two years old. RSV kills between 100 to 300 children under the age of five each year in the United States. And the vast majority of those children, about 79% of those less than two years old who get RSV, had no underlying medical conditions. Mm -hmm. So this means all young infants are at risk of RSV. The CDC also, yeah, go ahead.
0: Sorry, no, no, go ahead.
1: Um, I was going to talk about the the effect on older adults. Um, mm-hmm. The CDC says that RSV is to blame for as many as sixty to one hundred and sixty thousand hospitalizations in those age sixty five and older, and anywhere from six to ten thousand of these older adults die from it. And as a reminder, the RSV season usually lasts around four to five months, typically from October through March. So you mentioned winter respiratory viruses. A lot of these really start in the fall.
0: Right, exactly. Which is why it's important we start vaccinations in September and in, in, in the fall, um, which dovetails very nicely. Now, now we have two brand new tools uh to protect both both the very young as well as the very old regarding RSV this this season, which I personally, again, primary care doctor, all about prevention. I'm really excited about these uh preventative tools. So can you tell us about these new new tools we have?
1: That's right. We have vaccines and we have monoclonal antibodies. And mm-hmm. so for the very first time ever. We have these new tools um, and they, to help older patients and also to protect babies against RSV. Uh, there are two RSV vaccines now available. One is by GSK. It's called a and it contains an adjuvant, which is the same adjuvant that's in GSK's recombinant shingles vaccine, Shingrix. The other vaccine, Aresvo by Pfizer, does not contain an adjuvant, but it is bivalent, meaning it protects against two different RSV strains, RSV-A and Mm RSV-B. Both of these are recommended for uh, those age 60 and older under shared clinical decision making, which means you and your patient have to discuss and decide. Just about all adults hospitalized with RSV have underlying medical conditions and nearly half of them have three or more underlying medical conditions. The top three medical conditions in adults hospitalized with RSV include heart disease, chronic lung disease and diabetes and nearly a third of those hospitalized have congestive heart failure. We also have a seasonal maternal RSV vaccine dose, which is now recommended for pregnant people at age 32 to 36 weeks of pregnancy to protect babies born during RSV season. Only a Breezevo, the one that does not contain the adjuvant is approved right now for pregnant people. That could change if the other one is FDA uh, approved for this for this age group, but for right now, just a Brisevo for the pregnant persons. And the timing of the maternal RSV vaccine matters. Remember that the RSV season typically ranges from October through March. So we we give the, the maternal RSV vaccine from September through January for pregnant people at 32 to 36 weeks of pregnancy. And the concept is you give the vaccine during pregnancy, so mom's protective antibodies are then passed on to baby, protecting the baby during those first few months of life in which these babies are so vulnerable. And it takes about 14 days for the, for this, uh, the vaccine after getting the vaccine to build up protective antibodies. Right. There's also a monoclonal antibody, nirsevimab, that's now recommended for babies. Hmm. And w- the recommendation is you can give a dose uh, for babies under eight months old experiencing their first RSV season. You can give a second protective dose in, uh, for older babies up to 18 months that are experiencing their second RSV season if they're still at risk for severe d- disease.
0: Right, so a lot of a lot of really good tools for again our 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 older patients or sorry our more experienced patients, if you will, who have some underlying medical conditions, our our expectant mothers, and then our our brand new babies, and there's slightly different tools, and so I, I'm looking forward to seeing how how effective this is to really reduce the illness um, for for these vulnerable patients. And so that's a great a great summary, um, and 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 last but not least, let's not forget about flu uh, and, and influenza. Is here. It's every. It's here every year. Um, we have just decades worth of data regarding uh, flu and flu vaccines um, and how effective they are. So, is there anything new this this season regarding the flu vaccine?
1: Well, one thing that's not new is everyone six months and older needs flu vaccination every year. Yep. All the flu vaccines now are quadrivalent, but the newest flu news is for those with egg allergy, and it's not which vaccine they can get. Of course those with egg allergy can of any can get any can get any age and health condition appropriate vaccine either egg free or egg based but what's new is where they can go to get their vaccine. Right. Egg allergic individuals no longer require additional safety measures beyond what, what what others would get. And also a reminder for those 65 and older the higher dose and adjuvant versions are preferred. They're more effective than the, than the standard dose vaccine in protecting these older patients. And there are three of them, and they're only they're one of a kind in their category. These include the high-dose flu vaccine flu, flu zone, high-dose, mm-hmm. which is um, four times stronger than standard vaccines, the recombinant influenza vaccine flu block, which is three times stronger than the standard vaccines, and also Fluad, which is the only adjuvant in flu vaccine uh, that's available, it's the same strength as the standard vaccine, but it has an adjuvant added to boost uh, its immune response
0: great um and then lastly again speaking about you know this this time period where we're we are at increased risk of of transmitting these these diseases during the population let's talk about co-administration right because prior we we wanted to sort of separate out different vaccines right now if if I understand correctly we can we can do all all the appropriate vaccines in in one visit at one time is that correct
1: yes all three of these vaccines can be co-administered uh together and with other vaccines with one exception COVID vaccines should not be co administered with Mpox vaccines. Now, I will tell you, um, Alex, last month when we were in September, I was encouraging people to try to get their COVID vaccine because I thought we still had a little bit of a wiggle room in getting those flu vaccines in. Mm -hmm. We sort of say if you get your flu vaccine before Halloween, you're good to go. Um, But I've had several patients just get them all at the same time and Mm -hmm. haven't gotten any complaints. Um, I'm sure their arm was a little sore, but it's if if there's any problem getting access to the vaccine or getting to the pharmacy, it's better to get it done than wish you had.
0: Yep, I always tell my patients, look, you're here now. Let's just get it done, taken care of. Yeah, you may feel a little little more fatigued for the next day or two. Your arm may be sore, but but the 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 risk of being tired and a sore arm, you know, pale in comparison to the Ill, getting ill ill and hospitalized and, and even potentially death um this has been such a good conversation are there a couple quick quick questions from the audience here i want to touch on um so do you have any any recommendations for our physicians who want to chat with their their patients who maybe are immunocompromised regarding all of these vaccines uh and and particularly those who may be a little bit resistant but are are at high risk of uh complications from any of these uh, winter respiratory illnesses do you have any recommendations there well,
1: certainly, immunocompromised patients need these vaccines. They mm-hmm. they need all three of them. The RSV would be indicated only if they're age sixty and or and older, because mm-hmm. that's that's the FDA approval and rec- approval at this point. Um, but they need all three of these. So, um, just answering their questions, one of the ways that I approach uh, talking to patients of vaccines is called the AIMS method. Mm-hmm. Um, the A says it stands for announce. Announce that you're gonna give a vaccine. So say, okay, let's go, you need to go get your COVID, your flu and your RSV vaccine. Um, I, if they if they have, if you get any pushback, I is for inquire, you know, mm-hmm. if they don't wanna do it, sort of ask why, why not? M is for mirror, you know, repeat the question and make sure you understand what they're asking in a very, you know, non-confrontational way. Um, and then um, S is for secure trust. Answer those questions, but keep the conversation open. Right. And i I found that that's really helping. And I'm seeing a I'm seeing right now a big difference in the response to these three vaccines than maybe I did last year. I don't know if people are just seeing their friends come down with COVID. I think our experience last year, last this time last year with that little triple demic we had of RSV, COVID, and flu is people are starting to sort of think about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when you hear this NFID survey that not everyone is thinking like my patients, um, it is concerning, but immunocompromised patients need to get these vaccines for sure.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, and I love that Ames, um methodology. And one thing that I think is really important, especially as a family physician practicing primary care, I often will care for the entire family and I'll get, you know, call them tag along flu shots or tag along vaccines. Uh, if the baby is there and mom's there, I'm like, Hey, you know what? You should get your, your flu vaccine as well. I'll make sure the whole family is protected. I think the other piece is I've had a lot of patients be very resistant over time for uh, any number of, 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 uh, vaccines and just, you know, building that trust and, repeating the same message over and over again, eventually they, some of my patients have come around and been like, all right, you know what, doc, you know, you've taken care of me for 10 years. You know, I I trust you. I trust your judgment. Um, and just making sure you leave the conversation open and doing it in sort of a non-judgmental way, I think is so valuable because if you sort of shame and blame, they just sort of shut down and then that, that degrades trust and nobody wins quite frankly.
1: Right. And there, there's a, there's a lot of misinformation out there. And you know, certainly, we as physicians, we are a trusted source of information. There also, uh, I, I encourage patients to check websites with trusted sources of information. Mm-hmm. Our AMA website is is one of them, and we have regular AMA updates on various topics. I do regular updates on our ACIP meetings, but you know, the physicians are a trusted source. So the AIMS method I found in my practice is is really really helpful
0: wonderful well th- this has been wonderful but tons of information so uh hopefully our uh, everyone out there listening can can go back and listen to this again or or, or share it with friends or family so we can all make sure we have the right information so thank you so much for joining us I really appreciate your expertise uh and taking your time for us today
1: thank you so much Dr. McDonald and it's been a pleasure to to be on your show today
0: Subscribe to the Permanente Docs Chat podcast to never miss an episode and register to take part in upcoming live chats. Visit permanente.org slash AMA Docs Chat.